Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Eco Money on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Prime Time on Money FM 89.3. I'm Rachel Kelly, and now it's time for Eco Money, where we bring you the latest eco business trends and sticking with our theme of transport for the evening. The regional race is on for electric vehicles. Now, while some consumers may be ready to switch gear, the question is is the industry moving fast enough? Road transport accounts for 10% of global emissions, and its emissions are rising fast. Faster than those of any other sector, but issues such as charging infrastructure and supply chains are holding back the horse when it comes to electric vehicle penetration in the region. To get a clearer picture of exactly what is happening and the current situation, we're joined on the line now by Joseph Incalcatera, Chief ASEAN Economist at HSBC. Joseph, thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, happy to be here. So let's start off because we've seen ambitious EV targets from policymakers to jumpstart EV adoption. But according to your recent report, EV sales are set to remain negligible over the next two years in much of Asia. Why is that given this push and this drive that we're seeing? Yeah, so, I mean, of course, it is becoming an important policy priority right now across Asia, even Southeast Asia, there's a lot of talk about it. But I think, quite simply, it just hasn't been a priority for the last few years. And as a result, currently, the fiscal incentives for people to, for example, adopt electric vehicles are relatively small compared to developed economies in the West, for example, or even, let's say, what's happening in mainland China or in Korea. At the same time, you know, the charging infrastructure, relatively small. You don't necessarily see the network of charging stations that helps adoption. And at the same time, you also, in big economies in Southeast Asia, for example, you don't really have any EV production domestically. And given that there still are, to some degree, tariffs, right? A lot of uh, Southeast Asia's mm-hmm. autos are produced or at least assembled domestically. That really hinders the adoption. So it's becoming a priority, but a lot more needs to be done before you can see it and, and account for a much larger share of vehicle sales. And, and so we think that's going to take around two years before you see um, adoption really start to pick up. And as we get to that two-year point, Joseph, you've spoken about manufacturing in the region, but let's also talk infrastructure now, because as someone who is considering buying an EV as well, one of the key things that I think about is how am I going to charge this? Where am I going to charge this? How long does it take to charge an EV? How frequently do they need to be charged? Some of these points are changing and shifting though, aren't they? Yes, of course. I mean, it really depends on the car, but by and large, with every year that goes by, uh, the range is increasingly large of what you can get out of one battery. I think most EV users generally will will be able to charge their car actually uh, only once a day, if not less, and generally don't need actually uh, more than one day's charge uh, for what they're driving. So uh, especially in a lot of Teslas now, you're able to kind of charge it at home and there's incentives to build in charging stations, you know, in your main residence if you've got that, that capacity. So I think the charging infrastructure maybe not as important as it was earlier, but still uh, it definitely helps adoption. So there's no clear answer for that. It really depends on the car and the specific usage, uh, but there will be a need for some charging infrastructure at least um, to kind of increase adoption 
and increase people's options uh, in case, for example, they do run out of or they need a charge during the day. And looking at it from an infrastructure perspective, there's a significant difference, isn't there, between looking at the charging infrastructure required here in Singapore, for example, versus Malaysia. Can you walk us through that? Of course. Well, as I simply put, I mean, a larger country with a larger highway system where there's longer distance travel, for example, will require a larger network. And it's a little bit more difficult, for example, at the beginning to incentivize electric vehicle adoption. So that's why perhaps um, you know, some countries will have to really incentivize this, create the proper infrastructure, uh, and simply put, just have a, a roadmap for EV adoption. You know, these things can be done, but it does require planning at the central level, at least, um, or, or at least incentives. So arguably in Singapore, you know, they, they, it could be a little bit easier, uh, given that most people don't drive significant amounts every single day. So you know, Singapore could be ripe for, for kind of creating you know, a push for EV adoption. And that said, let's also talk about maintenance costs as well. I mean, we've seen a push here to greenify jobs such as car mechanics, to help them tackle electric vehicles as they rise. But what are the cost difference between, you know, maintaining an electric vehicle versus a regular combustion engine? And might that be a barrier as well when it comes to parts? You mentioned supply is an issue, right? So actually, I mean, the the actual electric vehicle is far simpler from a mechanical perspective. It has fewer components. So as a result, there's actually not the same need for, for for simple car maintenance. In that sense, EVs are far simpler. I mean, typically, they, the, the cost is higher That's because electric vehicle batteries, the same amount of batteries are much more expensive. But those costs have come down tremendously over the years. But, you know, if anything, there's actually a, a lot of talk that perhaps, you know, as we do switch to EVs globally, it actually could be negative for jobs, right, in the traditional auto industry, both in terms of manufacturing, but also in terms of repairs. So, of course, there will be other jobs, you know, in, in, in the EV supply chain, but typical car mechanics, for example, um, there would be less need for that standard service simply because EVs are more simpler, at least from a mechanical perspective. We're speaking with Joseph Nkalkatera, Chief ASEAN Economist at HSBC, about whether or not the drive for EVs is moving fast enough here in Asia. Joseph, let's rewind a little bit since we were talking about car components and talk about the key component, and that is the battery and battery production because the type of battery plays a significant part, doesn't it? For example, nickel-based batteries of a higher energy density, which, among other benefits, allow for an improved range of the batteries. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. I mean, most of the lithium-ion batteries that are, are being produced now have mm-hmm. nickel as the main component. Usually there's a mix of nickel, manganese, cobalt, but the nickel really is you know, the main uh, driver of battery demand right now. And, you know, it's interesting because actually some of the largest nickel reserves globally are actually in Southeast Asia in mm-hmm. places like Indonesia and the Philippines. Yeah, so you do see actually countries like Indonesia trying to become a significant producer of EV battery materials, which is a relatively exciting channel of growth, at least for, for the Indonesian economy. But what are some of the things that we need to look at when we're looking at these batteries from a sustainable perspective? For example, I was reading in a report that high-pressure acid leach technology, or HPAL, is a process that allows for Indonesia's low-grade nickel ore to produce battery-grade nickel chemicals, also recovering cobalt as a byproduct. But there could be some issues, is that correct, when it comes to the investments or the environmental benefits when it comes to using HPAL? 
Yeah, I mean, that, that's true. There are some negatives. For example, it creates a lot of byproducts, a lot of waste. And given that many of these nickel-producing areas are in, you know, for example, uh, very sensitive ecosystems mm-hmm. in the Red Sea or in far parts of the archipelago, um, if you don't have property, proper disposal of that waste, that could create a liability. And I think con- companies like Tesla, for example, want to ensure that their supply chain is very clean, that you don't have any waste issues. And at the same time, it, it could be an electric, uh, oh, sorry, an energy intensive process, right, to kind of purify this nickel. And um, ultimately, you have to think about where is this electricity coming from? And we know that Indonesia is very dependent on coal, particularly mm-hmm. these power plants that are driving these industrial parks that has this nickel production. So the question is, you know, if uh, EVs are being made with components that are produced with coal-fired electricity, that may defeat the broader purpose of an EV, right, which is to kind of decarbonize the grid, to kind of shift away from fossil fuels. So in a sense, there could be some issues there. There's some perhaps contradictions within that supply chain. And that's why it's going to be very important for policymakers, but also for the companies that are trying to be a part of this supply chain to really ensure um, that they kind of look through this and early stage they, they, they address this. And in particular, they, they decarbonize the electricity that they're using into renewables. And again, that's not too difficult because a country like Indonesia, for example, does have significant renewable electricity. It's one of the largest geothermal reserves on the planet. You just need to make sure that those are being channeled into these industrial parks. Joseph, since we're on the topic of supply chains, an article uh, recently in the South China Morning Post highlighted that China's EV industry may go into a partial freeze this year. That's on the back of global chip shortages that we've seen, and it says it's left one million vehicles short of vital components. What are some of the ways that the industry is working to tackle these supply chain crunch issues? Yeah, so I mean, the global automotive chip shortage has been a concern for the entire industry and significantly impacted global automobile production over the last year. Now, an EV will have far higher chip content than a traditional automobile, so it really impacts them as well. I mean, Tesla was a bit of an exception last year for, for numerous reasons, but in particular how they, the chips that they were sourcing, they had proper inventory, so they weren't really as affected. But I think um, it's very clear that there remains a shortage of automobile chips, and that's going to be weighing on production and, and weighing on you know, something like adoption of, of mm-hmm. new EVs into um, into economies. So um, it, it actually still remains quite a big concern. Uh, there's really not that much that automakers can do. Of course, they have to be nimble with their supply, with their production. You see lots of reports of autos foregoing some uh, additions, for example, or some features just so they can produce uh, without having to kind of wait uh, until these chips come through. Now, there's been, you know, of course, a, a surge, or at least uh, producers trying to increase capacity. Governments have tried to really put pressure on, on, on chip producers to make more automotive chips, but it just takes time uh, given that there's broad, there's a, a surge of semiconductor demand for almost all goods during the pandemic. So this, this shortage should ease, but it's going to be still a few months, not until probably the middle of this year, uh, that we see uh, automobile production turning to more normal uh, levels of output. Okay, Joseph. So all of these factors combined very quickly before I let you go. Infrastructure, supply, supply chains, manufacturing. When are we likely to see EVs to make up a significant proportion of vehicles on the road here in ASEAN? So things are starting to change. So like I mentioned earlier, you see some activity on the battery side in Indonesia, but you also see Thailand, which is actually one of the biggest auto producers in the region. You finally start to see 
you know, producers putting electric vehicle investments into place right now, simply because this trend globally is inexorable. You can't reverse it by this point, right? So oh, I think the producers are moving into place. You're going to see more EVs produced locally in the next two years, three years. As that happens, it makes it much easier for the consumers to adopt. So I think we see some signs in Thailand, in Indonesia. Um, they are going to be producing EVs, that is assembling EVs in the next year or two. And then, of course, you know, China has already, you know, really been ahead of the curve on this. And increasingly as well, there will be Chinese models, I think, across the region that will be, be available as well. And not to mention, you know, Japanese and Korean models, too. So it's been a slow start, but I think within two years, actually, the options for the consumer should increase quite quite significantly. And then that should allow for, for EV adoption to increase. But again, it's very important that in addition to that, we do have a cleaner electricity grid, because if you know, road transport is into electricity um, that needs to be re- powered by renewable sources in order to offset you know, the impacts uh, on the environment. So that, that's also a very important part of this adoption story. So good news potentially for conscious car consumers who are looking to put their buck into a more sustainable alternative on the roads, but they just have to wait a little bit longer and be a little bit more patient. Joseph, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us this evening. Thank you. Thank you. We've been speaking with Joseph Incalcaterra, Chief ASEAN Economist at HSBC. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.